your daily dose of debate, breaking news, and uncensored views. This is the Michael Medved Show. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth. A day with some great good news and some great uh, terrible news. Uh, we will cover the good news first. Uh, the good news first is that we will not be having a government shutdown tomorrow or even not on Saturday. Uh, the government will not shut down. It will keep operating. Uh, the checks will continue to go to the American military. And uh, the all the different things that people depend on, including visiting our national parks, it's not going to be disrupted. The Senate approved last night, staying late at night. They approved by a vote of 87 to 11. Uh, there's one Democrat who voted against the budget compromise. And the budget compromise basically was to keep the status quo at least until next January and next February uh, coming up. And in other words, it's not that this is perfect for funding uh, on this level forever, but just that uh, this allows some time for the House and the Senate and the Republicans and the Democrats, and remember, we are in this anomalous situation where you have the House controlled by Republicans and the Senate controlled by Democrats. At least they could get together now. They have both voted. It will be signed by President Biden. There is a, uh, a deal to allow things to continue. The Senate met late into the night to pass the bill with an overwhelming 87 to 11 tally. Uh, the 11 who voted no were Senator Michael Bennett of Colorado, a Democrat, and then 10 other Republicans. So a, a very clear majority of Republicans, uh, four to one uh, in the uh, Senate, uh, voted to approve this package and to avoid the disaster of a government shutdown. Uh, President Biden, who just did a press conference, will hear some of that. Uh, after meeting uh, a second day with President Xi Jinping. Uh, we'll get to what President Biden said about that meeting and what that meeting means. And uh, after the uh, House passed uh, an overwhelming bipartisan vote, their vote was uh, in the House generally uh, close to four to one, it provides a funding patch into next year when the House and Senate will be forced to confront and somehow to overcome their considerable differences over what funding levels should be. In the meantime, the bill removes the threat of a government shutdown days before funding would have expired. The spending bill that was approved does not include the White House's request for $106 billion for wartime aid for Israel and Ukraine, as well as uh, uh, tightening the border, more funds for border security and more funds uh, actually for humanitarian aid to Palestinians. Now, what any of that means, none of that money was approved, but that will also be part of the, dis uh, the discussion going forward. The... Uh, the spending package would keep government funding at current levels for roughly two more months 
while a long-term package is negotiated, it splits the deadlines for passing full-year appropriation bills into two dates, January 19th for some federal agencies and February 2nd for others, creating two deadlines where there will be a uh, another risk of a partial government shutdown. I, I don't think so because I think that Mike Johnson, the new Speaker of the House, will be remembered very well, it seems to me, by history because of – uh, what he has accomplished since he became speaker, which is basically taking this stupid, unnecessary, self-inflicted crisis uh, away from uh, ac- actually threatening uh, the United States of America. And by the way, and threatening at the same time, uh, all of our allies who do depend on us. I mentioned also there was terrible news today. The, the terrible news, it sounds like a joke. Like a parody. Uh, There's a headline in the uh, Jerusalem Post. It says, pay with the blood of Christians. TikTok users share agreement with bin Laden's letter. Uh, Okay, can can we try to recognize that uh, regardless of what uh, what Vivek Ramaswamy says – or anybody else says, TikTok is not a, a good or wholesome operation. But the story ab- about the blood of Christians and TikTok is a letter written 21 years ago by Osama bin Laden. Remember him? The founder of Al Qaeda, the architect of 9 11, the murderer of 3,000 innocent Americans. That letter has gone viral on TikTok with many users expressing their agreement with the world's most famous terrorist. The openly anti-Semitic letter, written only a year after the September 11th attacks that cost the lives of nearly 3,000 people, was published in The Guardian in 2002, but it was removed uh, on November 15th, 2023, After the social media trend became known to the site. In other words, the letter was there, was picked up by unknown forces and featured on TikTok. The hashtag letter to America has been viewed 4.5 million times on the application. One user who made a video about the letter discussed the U.S. military's actions in the Middle East. Uh, she captioned her post, excited for the racists in my comments to arrive, uh, free Palestine. And another user expressed how the letter had changed her perception of the world. The letter openly uses anti-Semitic language and addresses the issue of Palestinian statehood. It justifies the September 11th attack, blaming it entirely on the Jewish people. Uh Your former president warned you previously about devastating Jewish control of capital and about a day that would come when it would enslave you. The letter begins. In another anti-Semitic segment, bin Laden wrote, you continue to support the oppressive Israelis in their occupation of our Palestine in response to pressures on your administration by a Jewish lobby backed by enormous financial capabilities 
Palestine has been under occupation for decades, and none of your presidents talked about it until after September 11th when Bush realized that your oppression and tyranny against us were part of the reason for the attack. Palestine shall not be seen captive, for we will try to break its shackles. The United States shall pay for its arrogance with the blood of Christians and their funds. Uh, the um, As the war against Hamas unfolds, uh, the, the idea that this letter would suddenly be popular, not encouraging. Jim Garrity writes about this in uh, National Review. He says, on the menu today, news that TikTok users are approvingly quoting a 2002 letter from al-Qaeda terrorist mastermind Osama bin Laden and insisting that bin Laden makes a lot of legitimate points. It's the sort of thing that makes you wish that gullible young people would go back to eating Tide Pods. You might have thought that the minds of America's young people would not be so malleable if they could perceive one of the most notorious mass murderers of Americans in all history as a justifiable critic of American politics. Uh, but uh, there is more about why TikTok is a national security threat. Uh, coming up, uh, people reading bin Laden's letter to America and commenting on how it's opened their eyes. Does so, Osama do it for you? When they first put his picture in the paper, that beautiful man with those cold black eyes, he just drew you in. You know, he just looked like a beautiful man. This is the Michael Medved Show. Uh, if there is one individual who stands out as evil and represents a proof to anyone who doubts it that there is such a thing as evil human beings, regardless of people's misunderstandings about the Bible, there are evil people who appear in the Bible. Not everyone in the Bible is basically good. And uh, the, uh, the Osama bin Laden, if, if you cannot acknowledge that he he was a, a warped, a self-destructive, horrible human being who killed women and children and innocent people going to work one day. And, uh, and, and by the way, the September 11th was not the first terrorist incident in which bin Laden was involved. And Jim Garrity says about this uh, – uh, reading a letter to America, which bin Laden wrote in 2002, a year after 9-11. He, um, uh, the, Jim Garrity writes that uh, for those of us of a certain age, this development is a difficult reminder that the unforgettable events of our younger years, the ones that shaped us and the world we live in, are just dry pages in a history book to the younger generation. That creates a giant vacuum, a big blank space for reinterpretation. Now, I would have read these press accounts initially about people embracing the words of Osama bin Laden. And this is a joke. Uh, again, it's a parody. It can't be true. There can't be uh, human beings so benighted, so 
completely warped in their outlook that uh, they would endorse uh, Osama bin Laden's letter to America uh, attacking uh, America and, quote, trying to explain why it is that the terrorists struck this country on September 11th. Uh, However, there are a number of people, thousands apparently, who were TikTok users who recorded themselves expressing support for the contents of the letter to America and encouraging others to read it for themselves. Uh, Here's a collection, and, and again, not made up, not actors. These are real people who wanted to put on TikTok with their own image and their own names uh, their reactions to Osama bin Laden. Listen. This morning I read Letter to America, which is Osama bin Laden's letter to America explaining why he attacked Americans. It's wild, and everyone should read it. This has left me very disillusioned, and I feel the same exact way I felt when I was deconstructing Christianity. I feel uh, a little bit just confused, like I have entered into another timeline. What is this? And yeah, so go read it. So I just read A Letter to America, and I will never look at life the same. I will never look at this country the same. I will never... Please read it. In reading the letter, I could only think of this tweet that I saw the other day. Under settler colonialism, any kind of resistance is branded as terrorist because the only acceptable violence is violence by the occupier. Terrorism has been sold as this idea to the American people and honestly just so many Western inhabitants within certain nations that this group of people, this random group of people just suddenly wakes up one day and just hates you, just wants you dead, wants you gone. And this is all because they believe that they're better than us. Like that is the root of terrorism. It's doesn't make sense. This letter was insanely eye-opening. I really urge everybody to Google and read it because I thought that I had quite a lot of media literacy, but this takes it to a whole nother level. Go read a letter to America. Like seriously, go read it. Okay. Uh, This is all remarkable. Uh, Jim Garrity writes, and it's, it's profoundly important to put this development in perspective. Uh, In the immediate aftermath of 9-11, We wanted more than anything else to give our children a world where they would not live in fear of al-Qaeda attacks. We've done that and largely left al-Qaeda on the ash heap of history. And apparently bin Laden and al-Qaeda are so forgotten that someone can come along and paint an absurdly sympathetic portrait of one of the worst mass murderers in modern history – And America's extremely online young people will nod in agreement. Since the beginning of the Hamas crisis, TikTok has been flooded with pro-Palestinian messages and arguments excusing the actions of Hamas and demonizing Israel. Uh, Anti-Israel, pro-Palestinian high school walkouts have occurred everywhere. And... uh, number of people have wondered how and why American teenagers had become so enamored with the Palestinian cause right after Hamas committed a spectacularly bloody and sadistic massacre. And uh, Jeff Morris Jr., who was a contributor in this conversation, noticed that once 
he engaged with one post, my entire feed became aggressively anti-Israel. It was as if I was placed in an A-B test variant and was told to see this war with Israel being the evil side. Uh, look, this is not a majority of people out there. There was just a YouGov poll. They they do a poll quite regularly where they ask people, do you see these various um, nations as either uh, an ally or an enemy of the United States? And Israel has actually improved recently. Uh, you have uh, a total of 8.8% who see Israel as an enemy of the United States and uh, some 80% who see Israel as an ally. Uh, meanwhile, a, a jury has uh, found David Dupape uh, guilty on two counts in the violent attack on Paul Pelosi, the husband of former House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, that occurred last year in the couple's San Francisco home. DePape was convicted in federal court of one count of assault on the immediate family member of a federal official and a second count of attempted kidnapping of a federal official. He faces a maximum sentence of 30 years and 20 years, respectively. Uh, what's appalling about this is he... He was actually influenced by some of the messages in media that are so deeply, deeply misleading. One of those messages in media that is deeply misleading that we will get to is that uh, Israel's occupation of uh, the hospital in Gaza City did not yield evidence, conclusive evidence about Hamas's war crimes and Hamas actually using the hospital as a center of terrorist operations. We'll be talking to uh, Miri Eisen, uh, an Israeli intelligence expert on... Michael Medved Show. It's an honor to welcome to the show Miri Eisen, whose work I've uh, admired for a long time. Uh, she is a retired colonel in the IDF, uh, the Israel Defense Forces, and she's the director of international of the International Institute for Counterterrorism at Reichman University, which is one of the most prestigious and outstanding educational institutions in Israel. Uh, Miri Eisen, thank you for joining us on the show. Absolutely a pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Okay, let me ask you the issue of the moment. It's on the front page of the New York Times. The American press is obsessed with it, which is the evidence that uh, Israel has produced. And now, apparently, that the, the United States has also produced that the Al-Shifa hospital on the Gaza Strip which is now in the possession of the IDF, that that hospital had been used for military purposes, terroristic purposes, by Hamas. Uh, at what point do you think that the rest of the world, other than the Biden administration, accepts the evidence uh, that I know that uh, Colonel Conricus and others have presented to the world? 
One of the challenges throughout the last, and it's almost six weeks, Michael, throughout these weeks, has been the way that Hamas is trying to erase evidence, to lie over evidence, and to deny evidence that exists. Meaning what they've done over the last six weeks, and they're trying to do this again with Shifa Hospital, is they have to have Israel prove that they've done what they've done. They tried to erase the, the, the barbaric attacks on October 7th, and they're trying to erase what's in Shifa Hospital. But I, I need us to visualize that for a moment. Can you allow me to try and visualize this for a moment? Please do. So when you go into a hospital, and most of us have been in a hospital for good, for bad, for birth, for whatever, you go in, there's an entranceway, there can be underground basement floors. You go into an elevator, you go up to the fourth floor, you go down to minus four. And I think that we think that the Hamas were in like the, the minus three and minus four of a building, but that's not what they did. They built a whole tunneling system, which is deep underground. You can't get into the elevator and go down to it. This is an enormous hospital complex, and they were using it all over, firing out from the windows. All of that footage has come out, RPGs, light weapons, anti-tank weapons used from the different hospital arenas. But it's in that underground subterranean area that you need to get to from different shafts, which are not part of the regular hospital, but it's underneath it. And that's what we need to get in to see what I think people are expecting to see, that smoking gun. And I'll just say that today at the Shifa Hospital in the complex, they discovered the body of one of the hostages, and they told the family today that one of the hostages was found there dead, and they so that we, we already have that kind of evidence. We've already talked about evidence that they found in computer pilots in different areas in the hospital that show evidence that the hostages were there, and that's part of the challenge that we have right now to get into those tunnels. Um, they're booby-trapped. They are very challenging. It isn't that you go down and you suddenly are inside that complex. It makes it doubly hard to be able to bring that evidence to light because Hamas is trying to erase it. It's, it's amazing uh, when when you talk about it. Uh, the uh, uh, any information on the age of the hostage who who was found dead? She's sixty one years old. She was from Kibbutz Be'eri. She had been on the list of the hostages as being one of the ones who had been there. Um, and alive, and I don't know to say because when I say alive, there's a lot of misinformation, disinformation. She was definitely known as as somebody who had been taken. I, I'd like to share in that sense, you know, just that the challenge and the depravity of everything that's gone on here is that Hamas took with them on October 7th both live hostages, and they already took then dead hostages. That is exactly part of their psychological warfare of how they're playing with us, not telling us who's there who they are, where they are, are they alive, are they dead. But in this case, the IDF announced that at the hospital they had found, in the hospital complex, they did not say where, they had found the dead body of one um, Israeli hostage. So where, where do we go from here? There, there's also uh, news reporting here in the States that ongoing negotiations have brought uh, uh, Israel close to liberating uh, 50, up to 50 hostages. Uh, do you think those discussions are credible? Are there negotiations going on with either uh, Palestinian Islamic Jihad or Hamas? The, the idea of 
certainly Hamas and Palestinian Islamic Jihad, is that the hostages, and excuse the way that I am phrasing this, I want people to understand it, is that not only are they a bargaining chip, these aren't human beings, the hostages, they're a bargaining chip, they're a get-out-of-jail-free card. And so in these type of that, that's why they take hostages. That's why it is such a challenging arena. It's why all of us all around the world do not want to be in a situation where a terror organization takes hostages. And this mass hostage taking is a new modus operandi. It is not that there is no precedent. And, you know, Michael, when we talk about things like this, when there is an unprecedented event, it's an event very hard to understand. Because we say there's negotiations for 50. And my heart says, and what about the other 180? Because there are 230 hostages. And when they say, what, does that mean we get 50 now and then another six weeks, another 50 and another? And all, it's just that, that idea is so horrific. And in this case, they specifically chose, selected, terrorized, brutalized the hostages that they took. And as I said before, we know for a fact that they took with them dead bodies as part of that bargaining card, um, get-out-of-jail card. And, and it's just a horrible situation. So, yes, there are negotiations. They're not direct ones. There are lots of different mediators who would like to help. Um, that doesn't mean that they're necessarily good guys, but certainly the Egyptians would like to be able to get this done better. Um, Qatar is very involved in that. And as we all know, there are over 40 different countries that have citizens, both dual Israeli and other countries, and citizens of other countries that were in Israel as tourists or as workers. And so they're all involved. They're all trying to get people out. And you can't know anything. A terror organization has not let out any information in almost six weeks about the over 230 hostages that we say they have. We don't know the exact number because they've never said. It's uh, an extraordinary situation. Uh, assuming that at some point uh, the hostages are released or rescued somehow that they're accounted for, does that mean an end to the war? Hostages are one aspect of the war. They are priceless. It is something that you cannot understand in words. It's also part of the Jewish and Israeli ethos in the sense that we, we are here to protect our citizens, and we did not, and we need to bring them back home from a nine-month baby. And as heard also before, there was a woman there taken who was nine months pregnant, and she has given birth in captivity. This is information that was released over the last few days as well. I don't know to say mother, baby. I mean, it's like it's so unprecedented. We don't know what to say. No, it does not mean in that sense war over because the hostages are only – or only the most heartbreaking portion of it, a genocidal terrorist organization did a modus operandi attack that if it, is, if it succeeds, both with hostages and in managing at the end to stand up as a terror organization, meaning with its terror capabilities, which are a variety of different type of physical violent capabilities, then the entire world will lose because it Mary can can we can, can we continue because sure. I think uh, everything you're saying is important information. It's crucial that informed Americans know what's going on. Uh, we will be right back with Miri Eisen, an international uh, internationally respected scholar on counterterrorism and a retired colonel in the IDF. We will be right back on the Medved Show. 
The Michael Medved Show. All across America, this is The Michael Medved Show. On the Michael Medved Show, our privilege to be speaking to Miri Eisen, who is one of the leading experts uh, in an academic sense uh, of, about terrorism and counterterrorism, how you defeat terrorism, the example of terrorism that we have in, in front of the world's vision right now, Hamas, and uh, in the midst of a war which is a bitter and in which uh, Miri Eisen, like most Israelis, has a very personal stake. You have uh, young people in your family who have been called up to serve in this conflict, Miri? Well, that's one of the things that most people around the world don't always understand. It just happens to be that time at table where all three of my children are serving now, um, two sons and a daughter in both compulsory and and they went to officer's course so that they're officers in the IDF. My husband was called up. So for the last uh, five and a half, almost six weeks, it's been them out in the different military units where they serve. Um, I'm in the Institute and doing an enormous amount of work with the media because one of the main aspects of this war has been the Hamas media manipulation. And so I'm trying to do the best I can there to give information, to talk about data, um, but it's a very, very challenging time for all of us. I, I wanted to ask you two questions in, in particular uh, about precisely what you're saying, which is the the dishonest manner in, in which uh, obviously Hamas is trying to manipulate emotions, the calls for a ceasefire. And uh, again, for, for people living in comfort and security in the United States, uh, the idea of a idea of ceasefire sounds well. That's wonderful. They stop shooting. The killing stops. The bombing stops. Uh, what's uh, wrong with the uh, the the notion that you hear again and again and again from too many Americans, frankly, that uh, a, a, an immediate ceasefire is appropriate for the Middle East? So right now, this war, in that sense, is the Hamas that declared a genocidal war against Israel from October 7th, and they are a terror organization. And what we have in this case is that most of us don't know what a war is, what a military is, or for that matter, what a terror organization includes. This is not the Israelis and the Palestinians. There most definitely is a conflict between Israel and the Palestinians, but in this case, Hamas, a terror organization declared as such, not by Israel, by all of the Western countries around the world, that has, it's, it's not just about morals and ethics. They use terror to try to achieve their political aim, and they are an Islamist um, terror organization, and they openly call for the annihilation, the destruction of Israel, the Zionist entity. There are lots of words that go into that. And in this war itself, when they initiated their initial barbaric attack on October 7th, they actually had three different stages. And I don't want to over-talk again. Do I have enough time to describe the stages? Go ahead. Okay. So stage one was to do an attack to show 
how amazing Hamas is, a terror organization that came in and did as a master plan, the scorched ground, butchering, torturing, mutilating, filming it all on GoPros, streaming it all onside their phones on October 7th. But what they did, Michael, is by Saturday night, October 7th, they downloaded it all. And from then, and we're already in the middle of November, they not only denied, they are lying, denying, and, and making Israel prove that they did October 7th. Now, into all of that, they built a defense system, which is part of their um, the, the whole what we're going on with right now, which is a terror organization builds its defense system into 2.2 million people, into the people of the Gaza Strip, who many may support Hamas, but many do not support Hamas. And that defense system is built underground only for the terrorists, above ground, all sorts of different positions within the civilians to use the civilians as their protection, as their human shields, and taking in the hostages, not only as their protection and their defense, but as I said before, as their bargaining chip and their get-out-of-jail card free. So what we have right now is a whole system which is looking at the conflict as being about Israel against Palestinians or against the Gazans, when what we have is a conflict of an Islamist terror organization that calls for the annihilation of Israel, that did a horrific, unprecedented attack in history that we, Israel, now have to prove took place. It's, it's a massive media manipulation plan. It was initiated before October 7th. It came at a time period with an enormous amount of use. Of, of darknet and AI. And then when I say that, people are listening and, and saying, but isn't that what Israel does? It's like the Hamas managed to put themselves on an equal plane with a, with a military and a democracy as if they are the same. And it breaks my heart. It is horrific to watch. And add into it, Michael, that it's brought up the worst anti-Semitism certainly that I've seen in my lifetime, and I'll even go so far as to say since the end of World War II, we've never seen such anti-Semitism worldwide and in the United States. It's, and all of this comes out of a very planned media manipulation plan that's been implemented not only over the last six weeks, but before that. And, and uh, how does it end? In other words, what does victory look like? This is what a lot of thoughtful people who with all with all our hearts want to see israeli victory but it's difficult to imagine uh if you could lay out what a victory would involve and require war is harsh ugly not beautiful it doesn't taste good it doesn't feel good i'm living in one i've never seen a nice war this is an ugly horrific terrible brutal war and the brutality that was at the beginning means that at the end, Michael, there is no yay victory. It's going to be a harsh victory. It is going to be one where you have to talk both in anti-Islamist Middle Eastern, and again, I'm talking about the terrorists. I'm not talking about Muslims, and I'm not talking in that sense about all of the people in the Gaza Strip. I'm talking about the terrorists and what needs to be done in a Middle Eastern voice, which means that if you do not destroy as much of their capabilities, which includes both the terrorists and their capabilities inside the Gaza Strip, then they will feel that they have won. And, and because of the enormous media manipulation 
and disinformation throughout the Middle East and all of the Arabic countries and in most of the Muslim countries and in a lot of the Western world, they all think that what Hamas did on October 7th was like a military campaign against Israeli military camps, and yay, they won a battle. And, and that's such a distortion of a terror organization that was done so expanded that at the end of the victory, for me, victory, is that first of all, not only do we try to, as much as we can, destroy their capabilities, but that, Michael, we stay human. This is so important to me. The state of Israel, the people of Israel, the Jews, the non-Jews who live here, for me, the, our victory is that six weeks later, we're standing, we're together, we're strong, we're fighting, we're not stepping back when you said before about the ceasefire and accepting what the rest of the world does not understand, not because we're stubborn, but because we understand that the implications of this are not just for Israel, but much broader. So that victory is going to be on the moral high ground, understanding that terrorism is something that you have to fight. You cannot let it stay there. And keeping ourselves human, understanding, trying as much as we can both to avoid the loss of life that happens in war. War is immense suffering but to try to minimize it as much as possible, to remember to constantly stay human, stay alive, and remember that we have an absolute right to exist, and within that, to take our actions to defend ourselves and stay human. I beautifully said, I beautifully said, and may those prayers uh, coming up toward uh, our Thanksgiving here in the United States and then another Shabbat, another Sabbath coming up, here, may, may your prayers, so beautifully stated, be answered in, in full, uh, saying in full. human and in, in making a difference to extinguish the blight and the danger of terrorism so our children and grandchildren don't have to go through this, uh, this kind of ordeal. Uh, Miri Eisen is a retired colonel in the Israel Defense Forces. She is director of the International Institute for Counterterrorism at Reichman University. Uh, and uh, Miri, may you and your family and uh, all the people of Israel, all the people who are defending decency and humanity, not just one country, those defending humanity uh, go along with this greatest nation on God's green earth.